Slow Burn Media and Evergreen Podcast presents Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Hello and welcome to this special, unfortunate episode of Who Killed. I'm your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media, Evergreen Podcasts, and Killer Podcasts production. Unfortunately, last weekend we saw another mass shooting hate crime related in Jacksonville, Florida. These are becoming all too common as the insidiousness continues to spread on social media, cable news, and many, many other outlets. You had the Walmart murders in El Paso, where a Texas man killed 23 people and injured 22 more. Then the Tree of Life synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh, where a 46-year-old truck driver shot and killed 11 people and wounded six. Back in Florida, you had the Pulse nightclub shooting, which killed an astonishing 49 people and wounded 53 before police shot and killed the suspect after a three-hour standoff. In May of 2022, you had an 18-year-old man who killed 10 black people at a Topps Friendly Markets grocery store in western New York. The gunman wrote a 180-page manifesto on racial purity before driving more than 240 miles to Buffalo, a place where he expected to find black people, according to police. While many of these crimes I have highlighted have occurred in Florida, the problems are everywhere. In this particular episode, Jacksonville Sheriff T.K. Waters told a news conference that the attack that left two men and one woman dead was definitely racially motivated. Quote, he hated black people, Waters said after reviewing the man's writings, which were sent to federal law enforcement officials and at least one media outlet. And this was shortly before the attack. He added that the gunman acted alone and there is absolutely no evidence the shooter was part of a larger group. I will say that he may not have been a part of a larger group, but I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge how easy it would be for these people to live in an echo chamber of hate. These are sites, and there are special sites, that literally thrive on spreading propaganda, and now we are seeing the results. So listen to Jacksonville Sheriff T.K. Waters' emotional press conference as he explains how they determined these killings were racially motivated. And side by side with our law enforcement partners, our mayor, city leaders, to share the heartbreaking news that Jacksonville has suffered the loss of three precious lives at the hands of an active shooter. This afternoon, a little after 1 p.m., an individual we have not yet officially identified entered a Dollar Tree in the Newtown area of Jacksonville, outfitted with a tactical vest, armed with an AR-style rifle, and a handgun. Then the shooter killed three people before turning the gun on himself, taking his own life. Other than the three individuals killed and the shooter himself, there are no additional people who suffered gunshot wounds. We are not identifying the deceased victims at this time, but I can tell you that there are two male victims and one female victim. All, all of the deceased victims are black. Multiple units from the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office responded to this active shooter scene, as did members of Jacksonville Fire Rescue, our mayor, and city leaders. 
We are still in the, uh, in the very early stages of this investigation, so there's a lot of information that we don't know at this time. I will share you that, with you the information that I have been able to, uh, to verify. The shooter was believed to have resided in Clay County with his parents. He was involved in a 2016 domestic call in Clay County with no arrest. In 2017, he did have a Baker Act. We know that at 11.39 a.m. today, Sheriff Cook gave us information that he left Clay County headed to Jacksonville. At 1.18 p.m., he texted his father and told his father to check his computer. At 1.53 p.m., the shooter's family members called the Clay County Sheriff's Office. By that time, he had already began shooting in Jacksonville. The Clay County Sheriff's Office, who has been assisting our agency with this investigation, received information after the shooting that the shooter had authored several manifestos, one to his parents, one to the media, and one to federal agents. Portions of these manifestos detailed the shooter's disgusting ideology of hate. Plainly put, this shooting was racially motivated and he hated black people. He wanted to kill niggers. That's the one and only time I'll use that word. I want to be very clear that there is absolutely no evidence that the shooter is part of any large group. We know that he acted completely alone. If you take a look at the images on the screen, you'll be able to see what he utilized. The weapons that the shooter used today are a Glock and an AR-15 style rifle. This is a dark day in Jacksonville's history. Any loss of life is tragic, but the hate that motivated the shooter's killing spree adds an additional layer of heartbreak. There's no place for hate in our community, and this is not Jacksonville. As a member of this Jacksonville community, I am sickened by this cowardly shooter's personal ideology of hate. Homicide detectives are actively investigating this tragedy, and despite the fact that the shooter is dead, they will continue to investigate this until we have a complete understanding of what happened and even why he did it. Our Jacksonville community collectively cries tonight to the victims and victims' families. Our thoughts and prayers are with you now and will remain with you. Please know that in the face of this tragedy, this agency and our city stands with you. We stand united and resolved in our commitment to accountability. We stand united with each other. Those who have personally suffered loss and those who have been touched by this tragedy, we are with you. We stand united and resolved against all forms of hate. And at this time, I'll take any questions that I can. Sheriff Waters, does the Sheriff's Office uh, consider this a mass shooting and why or why not? Yes, it's a mass shooting. It's an active shooting. Whatever you want to label it, it's a shooting that should not have happened under any circumstances. I don't think names of the shooting really matter. What matters is three people lost their life today. Sheriff, there are reports that the suspect may have been seen on Edward University at first and then made his way down the road. Can you confirm that? Was the plan to maybe start I can't tell you what his mindset was while he was there, but he did go there and he did put his vest on and a mask on and then went directly to Dollar General. Sheriff, did uh, Edwards Waters University catch the incident on camera, on their cameras? That's still part of our investigative process. How does the community and Sheriff's Office, I mean, everything that you see side by side, how do you go about healing that process to know that those type of ideologies still exist today? And you said it's not Jacksonville, but I mean, obviously, if there's well, you see us standing here together, right? So none of that, that's an outlier. That doesn't represent who we are as a city and who we are as a people, right? Our, our mayor's here. Our political leaders from all over the city are here. And it shows where we stand and how we believe as a, as a community. 
No, politics aside, none of this, none of that matters. What matters is who we are as a community. We stand together as a community. We live together as a community. We fight together as a community. And when someone comes into our city and does this, we're not going to stand for it, and we don't accept it. So we're always going to fight against it. Mayor, you were out of the scene. Your thoughts about this as you stood among the community? I'm going to, I'm going to take this off, Sheriff, because yes. they're not going to see me behind yes. there. Uh, I'm sorry, Dan. You were out of the scene. Your thoughts about how the community is dealing with this, your reaction to what has hit this community again? Well, I'm heartbroken, obviously. Uh, this is a community that has uh, suffered again and again. Uh, so many times, this is where we end up. And uh, there were so many people out today, obviously grieving, upset. Um, it, it's, it's just something that should not and must not continue to happen in our community. It's too often the same folks. And this type of, of hate, you know, this type of, you see the... The swastika is on the gun. We must do everything that we can. We must do everything that we can to dissuade this type of hate. And and so, uh, I, you know, I, I can't even begin to tell you how frustrating this is for all of us because we've seen it too much. We've seen it too much. And uh, this, as you know, was the anniversary of uh, when we had the, the shooting at the landing. And I believe that was also indicated in the, in the manifesto that he was aware of that. And, uh, and, and perhaps chose this date in alignment with that. So there's a lot, there's a lot here. But as the sheriff said, this was a hate-filled crime. And uh, we just shouldn't have that kind of hate in Jacksonville. So that's still under investigation also. And before we go any further, I want to give Sherry Onks the sack for our local FBI an opportunity to address you all about a few things. Sherry. Thank you, Sheriff Waters. First, on behalf of the entire FBI, I want to express my deepest sympathies to the loved ones of those innocent souls that we lost in today's attack. No life should ever be lost to this kind of violence and our thoughts are with the families tonight after this tragic event. Immediately upon learning about the shooting, FBI agents rushed to the scene to assist our partners at JSO. As we speak, members of our evidence response team and our investigative specialists continue to work alongside JSO to ensure every FBI resource is brought to bear to aid in this investigation. I have committed to Sheriff Waters that our assistance will continue for as long as necessary. In addition, FBI Jacksonville is coordinating with the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Middle District of Florida. We have opened a federal civil rights investigation and we will pursue this incident as a hate crime. Hate crimes are always and will always remain a top priority for the FBI because they are not only attack on a victim, they are also meant to threaten and intimidate an entire community. Everyone has a right to feel safe in their communities and in their homes, and I assure you, the FBI will bring every resource we have to bear 
to bring justice to the families of those innocent lives we lost today. Thank you. I'll turn it back over to Sheriff Waters. Sheriff Mary, you also mentioned swastikas were found on the gun. You saw the pictures of the gun. Yeah. Was that, did he own both those guns or were those parents' guns? No, they were not his, those, those were not his parents' guns. I can't say that he owned them, but I know his parents did. His parents didn't want them in their house. Did he legally purchase those guns? From what we can tell, we don't know yet. We're still, that's still, that's still a, part, a deep part of the investigation we're gonna, we have to get into. Again, that's something we can't get into because we don't know yet. I wanted to get out here. I want to tell you as much as we could right now so that our community will know, one, that there's no danger, um, no further danger. Uh, and two, I want to be as transparent as possible. I want to let you know exactly what his intentions were because there's no, there's no reason not to tell our community what, what went on. And um, I think that's important for people to know. Jags games and events are, are very well covered. Um, and one thing has absolutely nothing to do with the other. This was, a, this was, quite frankly, a maniac who decided he wanted to take lives. Was this a targeted crime, Sheriff? Or did he just pick a community and it was opportunity? No, he targeted a certain group of people, and that's black people. That's what he, that's what he said he wanted to kill. And um, that's very clear. And uh, I don't know that the targets were specific, but I know that any member of that, of that race at that time was in danger of, of, of the black race. Any other questions? Sheriff Waters, I was going to ask, is there any reason why your office is not identifying him yet? Can you clarify why not? Yeah, I'd love to identify him, but we're not identifying him because we don't have an, a positive identification. It's very important for us as an agency to make sure that we have an official positive ID. When a person is, is deceased in Jacksonville, that body is, a, is in the custody of the medical examiner's office. So we have to wait until we can make a positive ID. Once we do that, um, then I'll tell you exactly who he is. Jumping off that real quick, is there, uh, I mean, can you give it an age range? Living with parents? Early 20s. Early 20s, white suspect? White male. Good afternoon. I'm here to provide the public with an update of the currently available information regarding yesterday's tragic shooting. Homicide detectives have been working around the clock to gather information and evidence. There's still a great deal of work to do before the investigation is completed. This briefing is a, only a recitation of verified information. I want to begin by honoring the three precious lives that were lost yesterday. Angela Michelle Carr, 52 years old. Anolt Joseph, or AJ uh, Laguerre Jr., 19 years old. And Gerald Deshaun Gallion, 29 years old. Yesterday, homicide detectives completed their next of kin notifications of victims' family members. We continue to pray for the loved ones and of those, of those who were lost through this maniac's acts of senseless violence. The Office of the Medical Examiner has positively identified the shooter as Ryan Christopher Palmetter. The shooter was 21 years of age when he committed yesterday's atrocities. He lived with his parents in Orange Park in Clay County, Florida. To our knowledge, he had no criminal arrest history. And as I said yesterday, he did have a Baker Act petition from 2017. This petition occurred in Clay County, and it appears that the shooter was held for 72 hours under the Baker Act provisions and then released without further involuntary commitment. Homicide detectives have been able to establish a timeline of events up to and including the shooting. On 7-6 of 2017, 
he was bankrupted in Clay County. On 4 6 of 2023, the FFL transfer to Orange Park Gun and Pawn of a Glock 20 Generation 4 10 millimeter. 10 millimeter. On 6 22 of 2023, the FFL transferred to Wild West Guns and Gold Palmetto State Army PA 15 5.56 millimeter AR 15 type rifle. On 8 26 of 2023, at 12.48, um, in the afternoon, suspect arrived at EWU behind the library in a gay, a gray Honda Element, and he dons his bulletproof vest. During this time, a TikTok video of the suspect getting dressed at EWU with no timestamp on that on that TikTok video. At 12:55 in 10 seconds, EWU security backs into a parking spot in the same parking lot as suspect. At 12:57. In 49 seconds, the suspect leaves EWU south on Pierce Street, then west on Kings Road. At 12.58 and 17 seconds, EWU security follows our suspect out of the parking lot. Between EWU security leaving the parking lot and shot spotter 911 call at Dollar General at 13 or at 1.08.04, EWU flags down JSO officer and says there's a suspicious person on campus, a white male, heavy set, wearing a gray tank top black shorts, bulletproof vest, and blue latex gloves, and a tan Kia. That was the description they, that they thought. They thought he was in a Kia. The officer states he's researching the vehicle and the subject to see if there was any calls for service, active or pending, and in the process of writing a be on the lookout or a bolo when the suspect goes, uh, when, the, when the shooting goes out. At 108, an 11-round shot spotter activated. At 108 and 13 seconds, the suspect's on video in the parking lot in front of the store, shooting into a black Kia and murders the first victim, Ms. Angela Carr. The suspect enters the Dollar General store and engages the second victim. Um, I saw a young 19-year-old victim, Anolt Laguerre. At 108 20 and 24 seconds, multiple witnesses exit the rear, of the, uh, the rear door of the store. At 108 and 47 seconds, the suspect exits the same door, same rear door. At 109 and six seconds, one round shot spotter goes off. At 109 and 13 seconds, the suspect enters the same rear door. And at 109 and 30 seconds, the suspect shoots at a security camera several times but misses. At 109 and 50 seconds, the first 911 call goes out. At 1:10 and 30 seconds, victim Jared Gallion enters the store with his girlfriend. At 1.13 and 5 seconds, one round shot spotter initiates once again. At 1.13 and 10 seconds, the suspect shoots a third victim, Gerald Gallion. At 1.13 and 12 seconds, the suspect chases witness Elvisha Chapel through the store, shooting at her but does not strike her. At 1.13 and 25 seconds, Elvisha Campbell exits, exit, exits the rear door, uh, the rear east door of the store. And at 1.13 and 37 second, seconds, the suspect shoots out the rear door on the, on the east side of the building. At 1.13 and 43 seconds, a four-round shot spotter initiates. At 1.13 and 47 seconds, the suspect reenters the building and walks back towards the office. At 1.14 and 23 seconds, the suspect enters the office. At 1.18, the suspect texts his father and says, use a screwdriver to get into my room. The father enters the room and finds a last will and testament 
of the suspect along with a suicide note on his laptop. At 1.19 and 21 seconds, the officers entered the building and began to clear, just 11 minutes after this whole ordeal began. Patrol clearing the hallway when the officer hears a single gunshot. We believe that's when he killed himself. At 1.41 and 3 seconds, EWU uh, security Marcus Williams calls to notify JSO. At 3.45 or 3.44 and 24 seconds, SWAT, our SWAT officers confirm that the suspect's down. Homicide detectives have gathered surveillance footage, um, video footage from the Dollar General, which captured the shooter's rampage. I will share portions of that video right now. Again, out of respect for the victim's families, we are going to cut this video short. We will not be showing their loved ones and what happened to them inside the store. Rather, these video surveillance excerpts, ex excerpts detail some of the shooter's movements outside and inside the Dollar General. As you'll see from the video footage, the shooter outfitted himself with a tactical vest, which he covered with a short sleeve button-up shirt. He created a facial covering and donned gloves for his attack. This investigation is ongoing, and I will provide you with additional information as is established and verified. I want to thank our law enforcement partners for their continu continued support in this investigation. As our community collectively grieves this tragedy, this agency will continue to diligently investigate so that we can provide victims families and our community with as many answers as we can. Our community is grappling to understand why this atrocity occurred. I urge us all not to look for sense in a senseless act of violence. There's no reason or explanation that we'll ever account for the shooter's decisions and actions. His sickening ideology is not representative of the values of this Jacksonville community that we all love so much. We are not a community of hate. We stand united with the good and decent people of this city. We reject this inexcusable violence, and this agency will not rest until this investigation is complete and every available avenue of accountability has been exhausted. Now, I'll be happy to answer any questions after we view this video. Again, the video is rather short because um, I don't think some of the things that are on there are appropriate for television. and It's not meant to entertain or be insensitive to our, to our victims and our victims' families. So I wanted, our, I wanted the people to be able to see exactly what happened in this situation and um, just how sickening it is. I'll answer any questions if I can. Yes, sir. We have no information that he worked at that store. He let, I, I'm, from what I'm understanding from our lieutenant here, um, he let several people out of the store. Why, I don't know. Some of them were white, but I do believe there was a couple that were, that were not. Did he give a warning before he started shooting? No. When you see that, when you see him walk out on the sidewalk and he points that gun at that car, he fired 11 rounds at that car. He did not give any warning. He just did it. Those are all statements that we're looking into and trying to confirm and verify. Sheriff, is there going to be any double-down police presence in that area or any other areas within Jacksonville to prevent against potential copycat? We are um, staying very diligent and vigilant 
in our community, making sure people, and this is what we talk about, this is why I'm talking about it so much. I want people to be paying attention. I want people to see anything you see that, that may be strange out there. I mean, we don't expect anything like this to happen again. We hope that it never happens again. But we also ask our community to be on the lookout and, and, and just, and just be, uh, be aware of the possibilities. We don't think, again, there's no information that gives us any, any belief that this is going to happen again. But of course, we're always going to be paying close attention. Uh, it looks it looks to me that he went there to, to change into whatever he needed to change into. He had an opportunity to do violence in EWU. He did not. There were people very close, in very close proximity. He did not do anything there. He backed out and he left. Sheriff, after reading that manifesto, how difficult is it for you to stand here and process this hate crime that entered your community very similar almost a year after that horrific shooting in Buffalo? Um, I can tell you it angers me as a sheriff, as a member of this community. No family should ever have to deal with something like this. Um, anyone who enters into a store and does this to perfectly innocent people, one doing his job, a couple of customers, um, is baffling to me. It's very difficult for me to watch, and I've seen a lot over 32 years. And um, I don't ever want to have to see it again. And I don't like it, and we are going to make sure that we work as hard as we can to stop these kind of things from happening again. That's why we are paying very close attention to this. Uh, we're doing so much to, to try to determine what exactly led to this. The manifesto is, is, a, is quite frankly, uh, the diary of a madman. Um, he was, he was, I mean, he was just completely irrational. Um, but what is irrational? What is irrational thoughts? He knew what he was doing. He had 100%, he was 100% lucid. He knew what he was doing. And um, again, it's uh, disappointing that anyone would go to these lengths to hurt someone else. No, he, see, he didn't have the guns back in 2017. He was only 15 at the time. Um, there's no, there was no flag that could have come up to stop him from purchasing those, purchasing those guns. As a matter of fact, it looks as if he purchased those guns completely legally. And all the FFLs did what they were supposed to have done um, to make sure that there were no issues. Um, so therein lies a the difficulty. When a person grabs a hold of a gun with, with hateful intentions, it's very difficult to stop that from happening. They were 100% legal, and as we can, as we, as I stand here with you today, they were legally possessed. There was nothing indicating. Again, like I said, it appears that the dealers that sold those guns to him did it legally. They did what they were supposed to have done. One was Wild West guns. What was the What was the other one? Um, one was Wild West guns, and the other was Orange Park gun and pawn. So it appears they they did everything that they were supposed to do as a gun dealer. Um, there was nothing indicating that he should not own, own guns. So then standing here on the other side of this podium, um, he possessed these guns legally. Mm -hmm. We know what he did with them. What could have been done? What should have been done? Well, we have to stop people that have bad intentions. Guns, are, the, the story is always about guns. It's, the people are bad. This guy's a bad guy. If I could take my gun off right now and I lay it on this counter, nothing will happen. 
It'll sit there. But as soon as a wicked person grabs a hold of that handgun and starts shooting people with it, there's the problem. The problem is the individual. Now, guns are a tool that people use to do, do, do horrible things. But um, it's the individuals that, that wield these things. So we, we are working hard to try to, to try to stop that. But in this situation, in this case, there was nothing saying, there was nothing illegal about him owning the, owning the firearms. I don't think so. I don't think there's a, a racial divide in our city. Um, and actually, I, I work along with some of the best people in the entire world. And it doesn't matter what color they are, what they look like, we are banded together as a community to fight these issues. And um, I don't think there's a racial, a racial issue. I know there are racial issues with some people. But as a whole, we are standing here together because we're concerned about the same thing. We have to do a better job of, of, of background checks. And they're doing background checks. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. But there is nothing there to indicate that he shouldn't own a firearm. Then there's something else that needs to be done. But really what needs to be done is people need to tell us when they see or they hear these things rising up in an individual. I don't know if anybody knew how he really felt. We haven't ran into him yet. We're still looking. But um, yeah, that's, that's my answer to that. I mean, mental illness, mental illness is there, but not everyone that's mentally ill grabs a firearm and kills people for no reason. Sheriff, a sure, 11-minute response from, from when things start to when things begin. Uh, what are some lessons that you early on the JSO can take from yesterday's event of racial violence that JSO can take moving forward in terms of responding to, to hopefully not get similar incidents? Well, we responded very quickly. The reason he went back into the store is because there was a canine officer at the door. I mean, waiting for him, looking for him. So we responded very quickly. Um, we have to just remain vigilant. We have to remind people to call us. If It doesn't matter what it is. If it looks weird, if it looks strange, call us, tell us so that we can respond. If it looks like he's putting on a bulletproof vest, if it looks like he's putting on gloves, you have to call us and let us know. Um, and I appreciate the security guard at EWU flagging down a policeman and tell him about it. Well, pick up that phone, dial 911, get on the phone with the dispatcher, because we can get real-time updates and find out what's going on, and we can respond that much quicker. Those are some of the things we learn. Of course, we're, we're, we're learning more and more every time, every time unfortunately, these, some of these things happen. Um, so now we're going to study it. We're going to continue to study it. We're going to continue to work it until we find out exactly the, the entire history of the thing, and then we'll, we'll put some things into practice to continue to work and make sure we can respond as we did just then, yesterday. Let me tell you this, there was no criminal record, nothing, no criminal history, nothing. He had a domestic violence uh, call at his house with his, with his, with his brother. We'll handle that. So we understand how to investigate. So we're going to continue to investigate this. But what I'm telling you is where it stands right now, there was nothing that we could have done to stop him from owning a, hand, a firearm, a, a rifle or a handgun. There was no red flags. All right. Thank you. Hey, guys, thanks so much for tuning in this week. I know that some of these things are kind of heavy and they're not the typical 
who killed episodes, but I will tell you that these are serious issues that we need to be addressing across this country. And it's not something that's going to be easily fixed. And we have a combination of hate, we have an easy access to firearms, and again, not trying to say one way or the other which is good and which is bad. The fact is, hate is wrong every day of the week. So if you're filled with hate and you are mentally unstable, I for sure hope you are getting the help that you need. Now, I know that that is most likely not the case because we have a serious problem with how we address mental health in this country. We choose to give people pills instead of having them actually learn how to be better people. Unfortunately, when you do this, you don't really allow that person to grow and learn from their issues. So what we have is a bunch of mentally unstable people that can just walk right in, purchase a weapon, and again, this Jacksonville shooter was held on a psychiatric hold for 72 hours, but yet was still able to gain access to multiple guns and commit the hate crimes that he had desired to. So take a look in the mirror. If you have hate, please find a way to rid yourself of it and try to make peace with this world because it's the world that we live in and it's the only one that we've got. So we continue this path. It's going to be an ugly, ugly future. And I don't want to be a part of that. So let's get our shit together and hopefully everybody can move on and we can learn from our mistakes. But let's acknowledge the problems at hand because there is still a lot of hate in this country. And if you think it was solved at any point in time, you're wrong. Just read the news. And that's all I have to say about that. As you know, I drop new episodes every Friday. This was a special episode, so there'll be a new episode tomorrow. Again, these are very important topics, tough ones to talk about, but important. So thanks again for listening. As you know, you can follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3 or on Instagram at SlowBurnMedia, and that's slow underscore burn media and that's slow minus the w and uh again thanks so much for tuning in and as always until next time stay healthy and be safe Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.
So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.